It's one thing to hear a good story, and it's quite another thing to be in one. It's one thing to hear a good story, and it's quite another thing to be in one. If you've ever read a good story or watched a good movie, it seems that if the writer is good enough, they have a way of bringing you right in to the story. You become friends with the characters in a way. But then you close the book and you go about your own story. But there is a kind of story, one of a kind story, where when you open this and you read it and you finish reading it and you close it, you stay in that story. It's the story of Christianity and today you are woven in by something the Bible calls union with Christ. Now, we're in our second week in our gospel series, our series called The Gospel, and the word gospel literally means good news. It is not advice about how you should live, but news about a story that you have been swept up into and written into. And I said, I showed you last week, so when I discovered the gospel, I saw it as this beautiful diamond, and I studied it, I held it, I cherished it, and I would look at all the world through it, and it added color, and it added life to everything. And I began to see myself differently, I saw my friends differently, I saw the world differently, and I saw God differently. I had peace that I hadn't had before, and I had a joy that I had not had before. And then something happened. I had new struggles, new pain, new sin in my life, and it was like the gospel wasn't helping me anymore. And I didn't know what happened. So what was wrong? Was there something wrong with the gospel? Was there something wrong with me? And it was like this dreaded staleness that we seem to know all too well that sets in with our life with God. And then, instead of seeing the gospel as a diamond, I found the whole diamond of mine. And I walked in, and I realized it. The gospel is not one diamond. The diamond is just part of the whole thing. But the gospel is this whole mine filled with diamonds. And each diamond has a new message for you. A part of it, like a pie, you're taking off the piece and you're looking at it. And what happens is this. You have wounds in your life. You have pain. You have struggles. And sometimes you have to take down a different diamond. Because that's the diamond that gives you the strength and the power and what you need to face what's before you. So, today, right now, if you're feeling like, where, God, where are you? If you're feeling stale, if you just don't know what's happening between you and God, it's likely that you've been focusing in on the wrong part of the gospel, the wrong diamond. So you've got to take another one down and look at it, study it. So today what we're doing, we're going to look at the whole mind today. Throughout the series, we're going to take each diamond down, we're going to look at it, we're going to study it, we're going to see how it helps us. But today we're taking and looking at the whole mind. And let me just say it this way. Here's what we're doing. 
We're entering into the mind. We're exploring. We're looking around. But as we're there, Jesus says something to us. It's time to go. It's time to take every single diamond here, put it in the treasure box of your heart, and go out into the world. And he says, there's somewhere for you to go. And that place is called the Lost City of Tob. What is that? Well, Tob is another name for Eden. It's another place where God would have you go. The word Tob in Hebrew literally means good. Only it's not good the way that we think of. So when God created the earth, he created everything and he said, this is good. And he finished everything and he said, this is very good or very tov. But the word good for us means something very different than the word tov. Tov is about abundant life. We typically think of Eden as being this perfect place. It was not perfect. It was good, which means it was filled with the potential to one day become perfect. Perfect means something has reached its end, its telos, or its goal. But for something to be good, it means it's the beginning of the story. And that story from the beginning had the potential to reach perfection. When you think of this word toad, think of it like a seed. So you take the seed. It's got some life in it, but it's not abundant life yet. So you take the seed, you drop it into the earth, and you bury it, and you water it. Then out sprouts a tree, and the tree is beginning to grow fruit on it. So we're getting closer to toad, but we're not there yet. And then the fruit, it falls to the earth, and the fruit begins to rot. And then it gets covered up by the dirt. But inside of that fruit were seeds. Now more trees are sprouting up, and we're getting close to good now. We're getting close to toad, and then over time, more trees sprout these fruits, that are dropping to the earth, and then you see a whole grove of fruit trees. Now we have reached toad. Now we have reached abundant life. And the purpose that God gives humanity from the beginning is to take the toad of Eden, the good life of Eden, and then spread it over all the earth. That is our original purpose, our original calling. And then something happened. And I want to point out what Adam and Eve do. So there's this place where things start going wrong, and then Adam, God starts looking for Adam and Eve. Like, where did you go? And you know what they do? They hide from him. Now, God himself is the ultimate toad, the ultimate abundant life. Jesus says in the New Testament that he is the way, the truth, and the life. And he talks about being the vine and us being the branches, which means that we are meant to draw all of life from him, abundant life from him. And if we are cut off from him, we weep, we cry, because we are cut off from abundant life itself. So Adam and Eve hide from God. They become cut off from Tov and the city of Tov becomes lost. Now, whether you know it or not, you are searching for the lost city of Tov. You're searching for the good life. And you're searching in any place you can possibly find. 
And so you imagine all of humanity frantically searching for this toad, for the good life. And you watch, and then you watch someone in front of you, and they, they stumble over a rock as they're searching for toad. They turn around, and they kick the rock, and they spit on it. Jesus is called the rock of stumbling. Interesting. And then he goes, this person goes on their day, uh, passing by, and you notice that an opening, a doorway, is shown when that rock got kicked over, when that rock got crucified. Jesus is called the way. He's called the door. For those who have eyes to see, Jesus becomes the doorway into the great treasury of this diamond mine. He himself, each piece of the gospel, is a shard of himself. You can't have the gospel without Jesus. And remember, the word gospel means good news. It's the greatest news that you have ever heard. Because you've opened up the diamond mine and you've seen this great treasure. And here's what he says to you. Okay, you're in. Now it's time to go out and take all of these diamonds with you. And these diamonds will serve as strength and power for you and energy for you that you need as you face what's before you and what's coming, as you face each cross, each problem, and each difficulty, each sin. So this event, for you, finding this diamond mine, and then going out on your journey back to the lost city of Toe, this is your union with Christ. Now, I need to, give me a minute to explain this word. Because this word, this phrase, union with Christ, is a phrase that is found everywhere in the Bible, but it is never mentioned once. Whenever you see the phrase in Christ, with Christ, or through Christ, this is talking about your union with Him. And not only that, so 97 times in the New Testament, we see the word in, the phrase in Christ. 12 times we see with Christ, Four times we see through Christ, but that doesn't even have to do with the amount of times that Jesus talks about being in him, and with him, and through him. In all the ways the Bible alludes to this, both in the New Testament and the Old. In other words, you can't read the Bible without seeing union with Christ. It could be the most important phrase in the Bible. And this union does not happen without faith. So he's the rock that many people stumble over, and he's the door that many people pass by. Act 1 is all about Jesus and all that he has done, all that he's accomplished. You did not lift a finger in Act 1. You weren't really even in the story in Act 1. Though he thought of you, you weren't part of that story. He was. Him and him alone. But Act 2 is the story of you and Christ. In Act 1, this is union with Christ or salvation being accomplished. Now this part's very important, it's a little technical, but you've got to come in and listen to me. Act 1, salvation accomplished. Act 2, salvation is applied. Act 1, Jesus is the hero. We've lost Toad, so he breaks into our world. He comes dives in in search for us, even though we're hiding. 
And he comes and he faces a bunch of temptations, a bunch of trials, and then he reaches the greatest trial, the cross. And there he fights sin and death, and then he's resurrected. And then he goes and seats himself at the right hand of the Father as king. And then we wait for the one day coming return. Now these are the five acts, historical acts of Christ. The first act, or the first part, the first thing that he does, the first event, Christmas, he comes. Second, the cross. Third, the resurrection. Fourth, his ascension as king. And then fifth, he returns. This is the great hope. Christianity. And this is exactly, we have baptisms today. This is the idea of what baptisms are. Here, in Act 1, Jesus paves the way. He clears the path. Here's what he's doing. He's facing death before us. Though he has you in mind, you are not in the story yet. And he faces the cross. And then he rises from the grave. In baptisms, we go down into the waters of death and come up out of them, united to him before this happens. And here's what that means. In baptism... It's a visual demonstration that you've already died and already risen. Through your union with him. It's all done. It's all finished. Death is nothing to fear. It is only something that you pass through. You're too slippery for it to have a hold on you. The same way you pass through the waters, the same way you pass through death. And that means also you have nothing to fear in this life. There's no worries because he, the king, has come. And he's already fought for you. So in one sense, because he did everything in Act 1, there is nothing left for you to do but rest. That's why he says this burden is light. Go to him and rest. Alright, great. Act 2, well now you have something to do. You're resting, but you have something to do. You are now following him. And in Act 2, you begin your voyage back to the lost city of Tob. And so here's what happens in Act 2. You come to the rock of stumbling, the doorway. And you discover that there's a whole diamond mine. Now, you first meet in Christ. And there, you begin to wrestle with him. Is this really true? Did he, is he really God come into the earth? Did he really go to the cross? And did, I mean, come on, did he really rise from the grave? And then this great hope of Christianity, is he really going to one day return? So you wrestle with him. Is it true? And as you're wrestling with him, if you will wrestle with him long enough and not pass him by, because this is the great question, will you stumble over him and pass by the door, or will you commit to wrestling? If you'll commit to wrestling, if you stay long enough, eventually you'll get a glimpse right into that diamond mine and you'll catch one of the diamonds. It's a diamond that speaks directly to you because it's speaking right into your wounds. And we'll call this diamond the diamond of justification. Because there's many diamonds in there. But it seems that Americans especially are attracted to this diamond of justification. Why? What does it mean? Well, 
Justification means you are approved of by God no matter what you've done, no matter what you will do. And we love this diamond because, well, what are we doing as Americans? We're chasing success. The American dream. Why? Because we so desperately want to prove to ourselves and the people around us that we're worth something. That we're lovable. That we just desperately want someone to approve of us. And the way we find that as Americans is we chase success. So we chase it desperately. And here's the problem. No amount of approval or love and acceptance from others is going to give you the justification that you're looking for because you know deep down that you aren't who you should be. And even if you chase after success and you get it, look at the path that you took. When someone else had a little more success than you did, you got jealous. And be honest, when you saw someone that was a little bit competing with you fail, you kind of liked it. Because it made you feel a bit better about yourself. Well, that is not the story of success. Here's what that means. You desperately need someone who is perfect to credit you with their perfection. And when they do that, then you begin, in the rest of your life, your journey out, you begin to become what you have already been declared. So the diamond of justification, this one diamond, says that every good and perfect thing that Christ did, it is now yours. Because of your union with him. And so the father looks down and he sees and he sees, take it, take the diamond, take the diamond, and you finally take it. And he approves of you. He said, oh, well done, you did it. And never again do you have to worry about how God feels about you. Because from that moment on, he just only delights in you. The gospel isn't that you are good so you can be accepted, but it is that you are accepted and now he makes you good. Very different things. And that's a great story, but here's the deal. The, that wrestling, that takes a quite a bit of time. And so you're wrestling with him. Is all of this true about him? Am I really fully approved? And then you see that diamond of justification, and you can't help it. You're going frantic. So you just run right into that diamond mine. You grab the diamond off of the wall, and you feel like you've won the lottery, and it's the greatest news that you've ever experienced in your life, and you dance in the halls of this diamond mine. With this great news that is now true for you. You're loving it. And you spend a lot of time there. Maybe you spend two years there dancing around this truth. And then Jesus says, okay, it's time. It's time for you to leave the diamond mine and go off and find the lost city of Tob. But don't worry, you're taking all of these diamonds with you. Each diamond that's up on in this mine, take it and put it in the treasure box of your heart, because you're going to need them on your journey back to the lost city of Tob. And remember, he is the gospel, so the, each diamond is like a shard of him, and so you're taking him with you, and you're going out. Find the lost city of Tob, but here's the thing he says to you. When you go, bring me with you and my kingdom with you. In other words, once you've discovered this mine, you have to go out 
and bring his kingdom everywhere you go. And you can do it. Do you know why? Because you are united to him who is Tob, who is everything that Eden represents. So if you have him with you and you are united to him, that means everywhere you go, so long as you abide in him, you remain in him, you cling tightly to him, you leave breadcrumbs of Tob, of this lost city, and as you follow your way back to the lost city, you leave breadcrumbs for others to follow you back there with you. This is what we've been called to do. We can't stay there. We have to go and bring the kingdom of God, clinging tightly to the one we're united to. And so he sends you out. Here is news, though, that you don't want to hear. It's still good, but you don't want to hear it. He's taken the path already. He's come, he's fought, he faced the cross, resurrected, he's back to Tob. You follow him. Which means wherever he went, you go. There's always a resurrection, but there's always a cross before the resurrection. That means there will be crosses in your life. There will be struggle. There will be pain. There will be heartbreak. But you don't go it alone. You go with him. And you go with every truth of the gospel, which are shards of him. And you cling tightly in your heart to every bit of the treasure that is in your heart called the gospel. And you hold on to all those diamonds and you figure it out with all of your might. When you face a new problem, a new difficulty, and one diamond's not working, you pull a different one out. And you say, what's the part of this gospel that helps me through what I'm facing right now? That's the whole goal of this series. By the end of it, that you will know each and every diamond intimately, and you will know which one you need for whatever you face. But to start out, you have to leave your comfortable little home and follow him wherever he calls you. He's already led the way, but you have to go follow him. Into danger, maybe. Into whatever it might be. You will have crosses to bear. You will have struggles. But each cross that you bear and each struggle that you take, there's always a resurrection on the other side of it. And there's always a transformation on the other side of it when you have him with you. And you will continue until you face the ultimate trial, the ultimate test, which is death, but then you find you just simply pass through it into the lost city of goodness, of Eden, of hope, where there's abundant life. But you have to go. And you have to follow him back. Stop hearing about the story. Enter into it. It's yours. And it's only in the story that you really learn about what love is. It's only in the story, not reading about the story, it's only in the story that you learn about what peace is and joy is. And it's only in the story that you actually discover Him. Stop remaining at a distance and go all in with Him. Let's pray. Father, by your love, by your grace, by your mercy, you have sent us the great King, 
the King of Tov, the King of Eden, who's come to find us even as we have run from you, God, even as we have hidden ourselves away from you, you have come. And because of that, we pray that you would give us such a burden in our hearts, such a feeling of loss that we know that the only thing left for us to do is to embrace you. To embrace the mystery and the wonder of who you are. That you have come from a foreign place, but you've come to bring us to that foreign place and make it our home. God, help us not hold ourselves back from you. Help us to not stay at a distance, but help us to get up close and personal with you. And by faith, embrace you and all that you've done for us as you have led the way and cleared the path. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.